Well, if you want to, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. Many people today are looking for the best life. They are living for today. They are living for self. They are saying things like, you only live once. They're looking at this life as all they have. But for those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we know that this is only the beginning. There is a truth that is for believers. This is the, for unbelievers, this is the worst life this is the best life that they'll ever live. And for believers, this is the worst that life will ever be for us. So what people should be looking for is the blessed life. And from Psalm chapter one, we will see how to live the blessed life. And we will see it's a life that is lived being focused in the right place, being fruitful and living forever. So let's look at our outline that we're going to see this morning. In verses 1 and 2, we're going to see that the blessed life is a focused life. Then in verses 3 and 4, we're going to see the blessed life is a fruitful life. And then finally, in verses 5 and 6, we're going to see that the blessed life is a life that is lived forever. We begin living the blessed life in this life, but what we live and how we live in this life will be rewarded, and those rewards go on with us for all eternity. But before we get to our passage this morning, let's think about the book of Psalms. It's actually the songbook to the nation of Israel. There are various types of Psalms that you find throughout there. There are praise Psalms, enthronement, lament, and imprecatory Psalms. They were written by various authors for various reasons, although about half of them were written by King David, the one who we've been studying on Sunday mornings. Psalm 1 is one of the key psalms as it is an introduction into the section of the Bible that we call wisdom literature. In this section of the Bible, there is so much to know, but so much to apply. And throughout the, these, this wisdom literature, we see contrasts back and forth from the righteous to the wicked or the righteous to the unrighteous. And Psalm 1, we will see the same thing as well. We'll see the life that we are to live is not just a Christian life, but it's the blessed life. And I hope through this that we all can make application in our lives and be changed to be more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, all people can be categorized into two, pe- two groups. They are either the righteous people or the unrighteous. In our passage this morning, they're called righteous and wicked people. The righteous people, they don't gain their righteousness by the things that they do, by being good. Their righteousness comes by faith. The wicked or the unrighteous people, they're not unrighteous because they do bad or because of of not doing enough good. They're unrighteous because they've never put their faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. Our righteousness we only get by faith in Jesus Christ. So let's begin looking at our passage this morning and we will see that the blessed life is a focused life. So look with me at verse 1 of Psalm 1. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So we start off with the negative side. 
of the contrast. So the blessed man doesn't live his life on this path, getting his counsel from the world. He doesn't follow this progression that we see in this verse that goes from bad to worse. You see, it begins with walking. We're walking along in life and we're walking with these people who, who are wicked people. And wicked people are people who leave out God. They are people um, who are not necessarily opposed to God, but they just say that there is no God. I don't believe in God. I'm just going to live my life however I want to. And then we go from, a, from walking with people like this to standing with sinners and standing, that means we're stopping where we're going and, and our focus is, is on them. And these people are sinners. And sinners can be looked at in two different ways. You know, there's a sin that we miss the mark. And there are some people who are, who are sinners who miss the mark in that they think the way to get to God is through their goodness, their righteousness, um, that they're going to earn their way to God. And then there's other people who are sinners. They sin on purpose. They know that the Bible says to not do this, that, or the other, and they on purpose do those things because they don't really care about what the Bible says. They're sinful people on purpose, and we don't want to be standing with that group of people. And then finally, we don't want to be sitting with the scoffers. So we go from walking to standing. So sitting, it actually has the idea of being encamped with these people. And these people are scoffers. So these aren't just wicked people that leave out God. These aren't sinful people that just sin on purpose. These are the people who are in direct opposition to God. These are people who say that we need to get prayer out of our schools. They're the people that say that we need to get the Ten Commandments out of our courtrooms. These people are in direct opposition to God, and we don't want to be sitting and be encamped with these people. And it's like JB says, whenever he talks about sin, that sometimes, you know, in life, sin will take you farther and cost you more. Sometimes in the short run, you know, sin looks good. It, it looks tempting, but it is very costly in the long run. So is true in the path of life that we go down. If we seek our counsel from the world, then we begin to stand with that counsel and eventually end up in a posture of sitting and a being opposed to the things of God. Now, I'm not saying that we as believers don't need to hang around or be around unbelievers. We have to be around unbelievers. Otherwise, how are they going to know the truth? And we have to be bold and we have to tell them. We have to be intentional with unbelievers. But we also have to be guarded so that we don't hit this slippery slope of going from wicked to sinners to scoffers in ourselves. But there is a truth, and that is that we can never get too far away from God that he can't bring us back. You know, you may be sitting here today um, as an unbeliever, and you may be in direct opposition to God. You may have stumbled onto this message um, through the internet, and, and you may be saying, this is, what, is, what am I doing here? What, what am I listening to? And you know, God has a purpose. God has a plan. You're never too far away from God that he can't bring you back. You may say, you don't know what I'm doing in my life. You don't know what I've been doing, what I am doing, and what I'm planning on doing in my life. But you know what? You're not the worst sinner of all. 
Paul said that I am the worst sinner of all. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he is the worst sinner of them all. You know what, what Paul was doing when Jesus showed up to him on the road to Damascus? He was heading out to get people who were following the way. These Christians that were following the way of Jesus Christ, he went after them and he was wanting them to be brought back, to be put in prison, and even to be killed just because they believed in Jesus Christ. And then you know what? Jesus did, he showed up to Paul on the road to Damascus. And immediately in that moment, Paul believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And, and God gives him his commission of what he wants him to do in his life. So you may think I'm too far away that God cannot, cannot love me, cannot save me, cannot bring me into a relationship with him. But that is not true because he did it for Paul. And he did it to Paul so that he would be an example as, as 1 Timothy 1.16 goes on to say that Paul is an example to those who would believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And so if you have never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right where you're sitting today, God has an offer for you. And it is eternal life, an eternal relationship that starts at the moment you believe in him. Your eternal destiny will be changed forever. And so I invite you to do so today. But many of us who are here today say, I've already believed in Jesus Christ. And the truth is for us, some of us may have, have traveled far from God. We're not in fellowship with God. We're out living our own lives, doing our own things. But we come to, sun, come to church on Sunday morning so that we can look like we are, we are Christians, like we're, we're true godly people. And so we're here on Sunday morning. But you know what? You're never too far away that God can't bring you back. He makes it simple for us. Just like it's simple that you believe in Jesus Christ and you gain eternal life, it is that simple to get back into fellowship with God. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all the wrong things that we've been doing, that we're planning to do. He cleanses us from all of that unrighteousness and he brings us back into fellowship with him. We're in perfect harmony with him and we can start our life right here right now in fellowship with him growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and being prepared to go and produce fruit that we're going to see later in this passage so you can never get too far away from God that he can't bring you back so we've seen the negative side, what the blessed man is not supposed to do. This is not the path we want to be on. So what path do we want to be on? Where do we seek our counsel? We'll look at the next verse, verse 2, as we see where our focus is to be, and it is to be on God's word. Look with me at verse 2. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So rather than taking the path and the counsel of the world, the blessed man takes the path and the counsel from the word of God. And notice what it says in that passage. It says he delights in the law of the Lord. Many people, even good church going people do not find delight in the law of the, of the Lord. Many people see the Bible as something that's burdensome, something that I have to do. Some people see the Bible as boring. But if you get into God's word and you see it for what it is, it's his love letter that he has written to you to tell you what he's like and his love for you. 
And if you get into it and, and you put your heart and your soul and your mind into it, then it can change your lives. Because the Bible, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It never comes back void. It always accomplishes God's purpose. Lives change for Christ. That's what the Bible's all about. The Bible changes our lives so we can in turn change lives for others. So the question we need to ask ourselves is how do we see the Bible? Do we see it as burdensome? As something that I have to read? Something that I have to do on a daily basis? Do we see coming to church and studying God's word as a burdensome thing? Or do we delight in the word of God? Do we find joy in it? Do we see it as a way to change our lives? Do we see it as God's love letter for us to tell us and to show us his love for us? If we do, we're living the blessed life. If we find our delight in the law of the Lord, but also look at what it goes on to say. And, he, and in his law, he meditates day and night. So this verse doesn't say that the blessed man goes to church once a week and gets his daily dose of the Bible. Does it? It doesn't say that the blessed man gets up and has a great quiet time each morning and then goes on about his day, living in however way that he wants to. It says that he delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it. He rolls over the truths of God's word in his mind as he goes throughout his day. Day and night, he's thinking on the word of God. And you know what happens if you continue to think on the word of God? Proverbs 23, 7 says, so as a man thinks within himself, so is he. You become conformed to the image of Christ. And that's the goal for our lives. Romans 8, 29, that we'll be conformed to the image of Christ. If we meditate on God's word day and night, it becomes a part of us, it changes us, it causes us to be more like Christ. Psalm 119.11 says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. We treasure up God's word in our heart, we memorize scripture, we put it in our minds, and then we go throughout our day, and if we see it as a treasure, as a nugget that, that we're searching for, that we're looking for, then you know what? It's going to come out in our lives, and we don't have to worry about, man, I don't want to sin, I don't want to do things in this way or that way. We just, as, as time goes on, we, we change, and we're more and more like Christ. You know, walk in the spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. That's what that passage says. So you walk in the spirit and you will not do those things. If you're digging God's word, you're treasuring it in your heart, then you won't have to worry about the sinful actions because they won't become the natural thing that you want to do anymore because you're living in the supernatural and you're connected with Christ and then his life will come out in your life. So rather than walking, standing, and sitting with the wicked, we are to be walking, standing, and sitting in God's word. So it's no longer about my will be done, wicked and selfishly. It's walking and saying, thy will be done, which is righteous and holy living. So the blessed life is lived by delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. But also the blessed life is a fruitful life, one that produces fruit and in order to produce fruit, we've got to be planted by the source that gives us 
food and water and nutrients. Look with me at verse three. He says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. If we're delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night, we'll be planted right where God wants us to be, gaining the nourishment we need to fulfill the ministry that God has for us to do so that we can yield fruit in its season. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. It takes preparation. It takes work. It takes time. If we're going to produce fruit for God, then we have to be connected with God. You know, many people, they want to be fruitful. They want to do things for God, but yet they don't want to take the time to be with God. They don't want to take the time. But the truth is to produce fruit, what do you got to do? Well, you got to go till up the ground. You've got to plant a seed. You've got to water that seed. There's got to be sun that shines on that seed in order for a production to happen where you can see fruit. And then what happens? is something pops up out of the ground and and there's a change there, but the fruit is not there yet. It takes time for that fruit to produce. But how do you produce fruit? You've got to be connected to the person that's watering you. We've got to be in connection with Christ. We've got to be in connection with God. So, People talk about how they serve here and there. They're on this committee or that committee, how they serve in this ministry or that ministry. But when you ask them about their time with God, they have no real answer. Or they say, I've missed my quiet time this morning because I had to go to church early because I had to, had to serve and, and uh, you know, do this or that. Or I was out late last night with the youth, you know, so I'm, I missed my quiet time. I just didn't have time to do that. But the truth is, God is more interested in our time with him than he is with our time doing for him. And the truth is we can't do for him without being connected with him. You know, so if you're in all of these ministries and you have no time to be with God, if JB came and he's like, man, I just don't have time to have a quiet time. I don't have a time to get into God's word because all I got to do is study for all my teaching times. And so I just don't have time for that. How productive do you think his ministry would be? How productive is our ministry going to be to the people who are around us if we have no time to spend with God, but we're doing things for God? And the truth is, we cannot do things with him or for him without being with him. Because otherwise, we're doing it in our own strength, in our own might, in our own power, and we're going to burn out. We're going to get tired. We're not going to be able to do it. We're not going to be productive in the things that we're doing. And honestly, the things that we're doing are not going to gain us any rewards because we're doing them out of fellowship with him. We're doing them for our own good rather than for the good of God. And so we need to understand that it is important to spend our time with God. John 15, that's what it's all about, abiding in Christ. We're going to produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit. How do we produce much fruit? By abiding with Christ, by being connected with Christ. When we spend much time with him, our life will be blessed and we will be fruitful. And by doing so in season, our fruit will come. We'll be fruitful people. We'll be doing beyond what we could ever ask or imagine in our own strength, in our own power. But look at what verse three goes on to say. It says, its leaf does not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. So 
You are a constant witness to those who are around you. Your life is like an evergreen tree. It doesn't wither. You're a living a lifestyle that, that shows what Christ is like. And from where you're planted, that's going to be the type of witness that you are. If you're planted by the streams of water, if you're planted in God's word, then you're going to be able to produce the fruit that God desires. The world will see you as different, as set apart, as someone who is in Christ. By living, by living this way, you may attract some attention. You know, Adam just spoke about Paul being in prison. And while he was in prison, you know what happened? He didn't wither down and say, oh, it's me, I'm in prison. God, why did you do this to me? This is such a horrible thing. No, what did he do? He was chained to a guard. So what did he do? He shared the gospel message with the guard. And what happened? The, the gospel message spread throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to other people who were outside the prison. And they had more confidence to share the gospel because of his imprisonment than him being on the outside. He looked at his situation and he didn't say, oh, is me and wither up. He was planted by the streams of water. He trusted God in the trial of his life. And because of that, there was spiritual and growth, and there were lives being changed eternally because of his imprisonment, because he lived the blessed life. Paul delighted in the law of the Lord. He was planted by the streams of water. Even when the circumstances didn't turn out well, his leaf did not wither. He continued to imitate Christ, and because of that, lives were changed. He lived the blessed life. The question for us is, are we living the blessed life? When times get tough, do we continue to stand for Christ? Do we continue to trust him? From looking at this passage and throughout the Bible, the blessed life means more than just being a believer, more than just someone who has eternal life as a gift by faith. The blessed life is a life lived in constant fellowship with God, producing much fruit with him at our side. If we do this, in whatever we do, we'll prosper. Prosper not as the world sees prosperity, but as God sees prosperity. We'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. In verse 4, we see the contrast. Look at verse 4. He says, the wicked are not so, but they are like the shaft which the wind drives away. The wicked many times look prosperous from a worldly perspective. They may have big houses and fancy cars, but in God's eyes, they are like the shaft which the wind drives away. They're not laying up eternal rewards in heaven. The, the things that they're living for here on this earth are going to blow away. They're not going to go with them for all eternity. For believers who are, who are living for themselves, their rewards, they're getting them here on earth. They're not going to be eternal rewards that are going to go with them forever. It's like the shaft that the wind drives away. We don't want to live like that. We want to live for Christ in such a way that we are planted beside him, that we're taking him with, him, with us everywhere we go, and we're fulfilling our ministry of making disciples with him. 
So what have we seen so far? The blessed life is a life that is focused on God's word. It delights in the law of the Lord. It meditates, it thinks on it as we go throughout our day and throughout our night. The blessed life is a fruitful life that is planted by the streams of water that is in close connection, in close proximity with Christ. And next, we see that the blessed life is a life that is lived forever. The blessed life begins right now, but it goes on to eternity. Jesus came and said that I I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. The abundant life, the blessed life that God has for us, he wants it to start here, but he knows that how we live here is going to determine how we live out all eternity. It's based on our rewards. Look with me at verse 5. He says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. You know, there is a judgment coming for the assembly of the righteous for us as believers. In 2 Corinthians 5.10 Paul talks about it and he calls it the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, the rewarding stand. That's where us as believers are going to stand before our Savior Jesus Christ to be rewarded for the things that we have done here on this earth, whether good or worthless. The good things are the things that we do in the power of the Holy Spirit in fellowship with God. The worthless things are the things that we do to get praise, honor, and glory in this life, and there's no rewards in that life. But you know, whenever we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you know who's not going to be there? The unrighteous, they have a separate judgment than we have. They're not going to stand in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Because they did bad? No. Because they didn't do enough good? No. The reason they're not going to be there is because they have never believed in Jesus Christ to give them what he's offering them, eternal life. Look on with me to verse 6. It says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's continue on with the wicked first, then we'll come back to the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. They'll exist forever separated from Jesus Christ. They'll exist forever separated from the righteous, from the believers, from you and me, all of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Is this what we want for our friends? For our family members, for our co-workers, for our neighbors. Now, I know you may be thinking, yeah, I've got a few of them that I, I wouldn't mind being separated from forever. But the truth is, we don't want that. We don't want it for anyone. We want them to have what we have. And how did we get what we got? It was by the grace of God. We didn't deserve to be in a relationship with God But him in his grace and his love and in his mercy made a provision, made a way through the person of Jesus Christ so that we could be with him forever. And we need to be thankful for that. Well, they're going to be separated. They're going to perish. The Bible calls it the second death. Again, with unbelievers, this is the best life that there will ever be for them. But as for the way of the righteous, look at what verse 6 says. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the righteous is eternal life, an eternal relationship with God, and it comes simply by faith. You see, the Lord knows the way of the righteous because the righteous know the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
You see, the righteous know the way. They know that there's only one way to God and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. The one who died on the cross paying for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the entire world. And he arose from the grave three days later to offer as a gift eternal life. He's conquered death for everyone so he can offer you life. The righteousness we receive is not that which comes from our own goodness, our own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. The Lord also knows the way of the blessed life. And the blessed life is even a greater life than eternal life because it's an eternal life with him that is going to be eternally rewarded with places of service in close proximity with Christ. And so if you want to have close proximity with Christ in the, in the future, then we need to be in close proximity with Christ in the present life because the blessed life is a life that's lived in fellowship with God. It is a life that is focused. It's focused on God's word. It's focused. It's delight is in the law of the Lord. It meditates on God's word day and night. It is the focus of our life is God and his word. Our focus of our life is not the things that are around us, the things that we can consume. It is the things that God has for us to do. And we find those things in his word. It is a life that is fruitful. And in order to be fruitful, what do we got to do? We've got to be connected to the water source. We've got to be planted by the streams of water. We've got to be in close proximity and fellowship with Christ if we want to produce much fruit. And finally, that fruitful, that blessed life is a life that goes on forever. It begins now. We are living out the blessed life now, but it also goes on to eternity. So let's think about some applications. Number one is keep your focus on God's word. Let's keep our focus on God's word. Let's delight in his word. Let's don't see it as burdensome and boring. Let's go into God's word and let's delight in it. And let's keep moving it, rolling it over in our minds. And as we do, we're going to become more and more like Christ. We're going to become more and more like God's word. Let's be fruitful. Let's be planted by the streams of water so that we can produce fruit in its season. Let's be patient. Let's allow the process to happen for people to grow. The truth is, I think each and every one of us, whenever we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be amazed at what we have done in our lives that we'd have no idea that we have done that we've said a word of encouragement. We've given a small drink of water to someone in need. We have shared the gospel with someone that threw it back in our face and we say, man, that was, that was totally unprofitable. But one day we may see them in glory because somebody else and somebody else talked to them as well. And one day they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so finally, remember that the blessed life is a life that is forever. We live forever as a blessed child of God. How do we become a child of God? John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's by faith alone in Christ alone that we gain eternal life. But a life lived in, in fellowship and in service for Christ will be rewarded. So let's leave this place. Let's focus on living the blessed life rather than the best life. 
storing up eternal treasures so that whenever we get to see our Savior face to face, we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant.